Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. Today's guest is Mark Whitworth. Mark is a psychotherapist who served in a private setting. Mark Whitworth and his wife Linda served 30 years with the International Mission Board. He spent 11 years in Japan doing counseling and church planting and 19 years in the home office as director of member care for the International Mission Board. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. We are glad to have you here. Well, I've enjoyed my time so far at this Nurses Fellowship meeting. Lovely folks, and it's just a blessing to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you shared at the Baptist Nursing Fellowship meeting about your presentation. I thought it was so compelling that I wanted others to hear what you had to share. Well, uh, in this morning session, I shared about how sometimes the, the adaptation that missionary personnel undergo when they go overseas is kind of applicable. Some of those stages you go through is applicable to uh, folks as they've adapted and gone into this COVID crisis, this pandemic we're in the midst of. You started out by talking about the honeymoon. Yeah, so this honeymoon phase is when you first uh, head overseas and everything about that culture is wonderful and you love the food, you love the people, you love the noise and the congestion and everything is good. But we do get personnel on occasion when they arrive in the country. It's they, they feel like this is not the place for me or this is I've made a mistake and there's nothing about this new host culture that kind of resonates with them. And even though they felt like God has called them there, they began to question that pretty quick. And I made the comparison to this COVID crisis that I don't think many people went through the honeymoon phase in the COVID crisis. When it came on as full blast in, in March, most people skipped the honeymoon phase because there wasn't anything really good. I mean, you don't really celebrate the fact that you can no longer worship together. You don't celebrate the fact that you don't get to give hugs and see the people you love the most on an intimate basis. And so there was nothing about this this pandemic that made you uh, feel better. Maybe for a day. I, I do remember people being excited. We're going to get to stay home for a day, but it took about 24 hours for them to get over that. There was some of that. Yeah, I, I had some of my friends and family who were now telecommuting, working from home. thought, boy, I don't even have to go into the office anymore. But then after two months, they said, boy, I'd love to go in for a meeting or... Just to see real people. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, the honeymoon phase, uh, not so much. And the second phase of this cultural adaptation was when you begin to be frustrated and become irritable and kind of fight against all that is happening around you. And that's a difficult time as a, as a missionary because you're there to share the gospel. You want to share the gospel, but... Oh, a Japanese phrase comes to mind that captures it perfectly. It means everything about this is opposite of me. So this fighting stage can be really draining on your family. If you're there with the family, if you're single, it's difficult for your friends to watch you go through mm -hmm. that. And uh, with this pandemic, you know, people, there's so many different things about this, the way we had to go about being safe. And especially for nurses, which I'm here for this conference, you know, having to gear up the nature of the cases they were dealing with, the outcomes they were seeing in their patient populations where they didn't have any hope of some of these patients 
getting better because they didn't have the treatment plans that were working and they were doing palliative care and hospice care very quickly with some of these patients and I talked to several nurses in my area who just had never been through anything like that. So while we couldn't see the honeymoon phase of this, we definitely could see the frustration phase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think many of us have been locked in the frustration phase. Well, that's, that's part of the reality of this, this pandemic. We don't have any idea when it's going to be better. Well, what do we do if we find ourselves locked in the frustration? How do, we, how do we cope? Well, one of the things I suggested is, is that you own your feelings. You, you really do talk about how you're feeling with somebody who takes enough time and energy to listen to you. But own those feelings and, and say very clearly, you know, I feel really sad about this or... I wish I wasn't as angry as I am, but I just, I, there's nothing I can do, and it makes me so frustrated, and I'm sorry. But being able to own your feelings and not stuff them down, because typically anger turns into or just turn into depression. Own your feelings, be willing to talk about them, be willing to set limits and boundaries as to what you do have to offer. You have to know what the limits of what you have to offer are, because nurses are so focused on healing, making people better, uh, meeting the, and the, this this nurse group in particular is also worried about their spiritual health. You know, these folks pray for their patients. I can't imagine what it's been like to be a nurse in the Middle East. If you can never get past mm -hmm. frustration, you talked about adjustment. Yeah, well, you adjust as a missionary. I learned how to get around Tokyo by riding my bike instead of getting on the train every morning and. I learned how, you know, my Japanese ability to speak got more and more uh, fluent and so that I could really communicate what I needed to say instead of what I didn't want to say. And then I felt more effective in my ministry. And then, you know, I felt like I was more usable to the Lord. Missionary personnel who don't get to that point typically have shorter careers. They just feel like I can be more effective back in the States. But if they can be patient enough to adjust, and it does take a great deal of patience. And some languages and cultures take longer than others. You know, Russian and Japanese, Chinese are, are some of the languages, at least where we send people, that take the longest to acquire. Mm -hmm. And you have to know that going in. Significant adjustments in diet. Eating out in Tokyo, they, they present the food in very attractive. The presentation is wonderful. But for me, I'm very active, I'm a runner, and so I would go out to dinner and pay $4,040 for a plate full of appetizer size offerings, and I would come away starving. <laughs> you know, things, little things like that, you just get used to. You know that. Or if you go to a, a church evangelism conference, you just have to be ready to, to sit for six hours and bow and nod and absorb all the ambience of the meeting so everyone gets to share from their heart. You know, in America, you might have two or three people speaking, but in Japan, the, the, the unit, the entire group is more effective, and so we'd have to hear from everybody in the room, and it, you just have to get used to that, and so it's so different. So, But in this pandemic, you know, the adjustments people are making are significant, life-changing, and if you've lost a loved one during this time frame, not being able to celebrate that life like you ordinarily would, and that sure helps with closure when it, the whole time of grieving and funeral process to have the people who knew that person be able to be around you. We've lost several loved ones. 
extended family and we've not been able to kind of like work through that. So It's hard. We experienced that here at WMU. We had a long-term employee pass away and then the next day, you know, we're dispersing to work from home because of COVID. And you, you don't even get a chance to grieve no. your colleague. No. Before you're thrown into this, and you work with this individual a long time. Yes, oh. yeah, and yeah. You, ordinarily, you would have had a chance to celebrate and grieve together. Mm -hmm. Yes, tell some stories. Yes, and we were immediately dispersed with most of our staff working from and you home. You would grieve some of that together. Yes. Yeah. She used to say this or yes. say that or yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. tough. The way we've done things have changed. Oh. Forever. Yes, and that's and we didn't choose it. Nor do we have any control over it. Uh, what do we have control over these days? Well, you know, we can control how we react to things. You know, mm -hmm. how much we sleep, how much we rest, how much we pray, how much we stay in the Word, try to stay connected to other people. Concrete things, and one of the things I said this morning was. I've been really compulsive about my time with the Lord, knowing that I can't go to corporate worship like I used to. And so mm -hmm. My quiet times have been paramount, of paramount importance. So not that they weren't important before, but now they're just like so essential to stay fresh in what I was reading outside of my Bible. So I was being stimulated with some significantly challenging reading material. And I've worked my way through several good books and been very focused on trying to hear from the Lord directly about certain things I needed to do. It's tough, though. It is tough. I'm thinking back to my social work training a hundred years ago. That <laughs> people have problems when they don't have choices, right. and we don't have a lot of choices these days. Very narrow. Well, I can choose this or that, but that's I want more, but there isn't more. That's it. These are the choices I can make, but I don't like any of these options. <laughs> see, and that, that sounds like when you give an adolescent Listen, you can go to bed at 10, or you can go to bed at 10.30. I'll let you choose. I'll choose 10.30. Well, I, don't, I want more choices than that, you know? <laughs> Sometimes with a teenager, they, you know, they don't like, and, you know, not that it's comparable, but, yeah, it's, a, it's that kind of thing. I like the choices we have. You so. said this morning, the unknown and no defined end date brings on a great deal of stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That we could manage this pandemic better if there was a defined end date. Absolutely. What are we supposed to do? That's something I spend a great deal of time in prayer about. Our Father is loving us for eternal purposes. He's placed us here for eternal purposes, and this is a blink of an eye to our Father This this period of our life. This is within His divine purposes for our lives right now. I don't understand it. I just have to trust that somehow this is going to make us better for His purposes, for me personally. And I'm being taught lessons I wouldn't have chosen to learn otherwise. And I have to take confidence in that. Our missionary personals say almost to a person that they never would have been changed the way they were had they not gone overseas. The person who goes into the valley is not the same person who comes out of the valley. In the same way, the person who goes to the mountaintop is the same person who comes down off the mountain. And, you know, not every experience can be a mountaintop experience. Uh, you know, you've been into some valleys. I am a stronger, more sensitive individual from being in the valley. I understand things better. I know how to ask better questions. Having lost my mother, um, 
having seen some of my family go through some things, deal, you know, I had an extended family member who went through serious substance abuse and just the pain of that on a family system. And you just learn things in difficult times that you're not going to learn other times. One of the eye-opening things that you said this morning that really resonated with me is to acknowledge you will not have as much energy, that navigating the new or the unknown takes a lot of energy. And that was so helpful for me to hear. I'm like, no wonder I'm so tired. Yeah, because your brain is working overtime. You know, they take these imaging pictures of your brain, and when the brain's firing more, it's really lit up because of all the neurons connecting and firing. And uh, I think in the midst of this COVID crisis, all our brains are firing max. You know, when you're now in public, you're masked up, you're trying to stay six feet apart, you are aware of what you're touching, you're aware of washing your hands with so you come away from. I mean, when this thing first started, I was careful at the gas pumps. Those things require focus that you didn't have to focus on before. And the act of talking through a mask and the, the reduced oxygen coming into the mask and the additional energy it takes to listen to someone through a mask and say, excuse me, could you say it again? It just gets t- so tiring. Yeah. Fatigue is very difficult to kind of self-monitor. The people who live active, engaged lives, I think they can get fatigued very readily and not be aware of it because they're used to a pretty serious pace. I know you, Sandy, you're very effective in life. You get things, a lot of things done, and you get them done efficiently. I would imagine you're, you know, that kind of efficiency has, has been muted somewhat because of this period of our life. Yes. You just can't be as effective when you're fatigued. I read one article about Zoom calls, why Zoom calls wear us out. And one of the things has to do with this point because all of a sudden, when you're in a regular meeting, you're not focused on yourself. But when you see yourself on the screen, your attention all of a sudden becomes how you look. (laughs) And so your mind is already divided between watching yourself and trying to be engaged in the meeting. I have noticed that when I've been in Zoom meetings. Yeah, they just wear you out. They do. I get off like, that was only a 50-minute meeting. I am so tired. Yeah, because you have to monitor everybody else and yourself now. Why is he, what's he looking at in this? You know, you look at somebody who's looking off the screen or, you say, boy, I look tired today. I got bags under my eyes. (laughs) I don't know what to be thinking that. You know, you're right. That's a great observation. Well, you gave us some helpful hints. What should we do in light of that? Well, I mentioned a couple already, but you know, acknowledge your feelings. You need to have somebody talk to. Find someone who's one of the best listeners you know and say, do you mind if we get together and could we sit and just talk for a bit? Because in the midst of this, this pandemic, there's no casual meetings. You just don't run into people and start to have yes. these great hallway conversations. Mm-hmm. Or people don't stop by. You don't run into somebody at the restaurant and sit down and start talking or in the hallway at church. Man, I had used to have dozens of conversations on a typical Sunday at church in the hallway. Those weren't happening now. And so basically I would suggest you do it in person if at all possible, outside in some lawn chairs. That'd be great. And talk uh, if you feel comfortable. But if doing it in person would be best. I, you know, maybe with a phone next or Zoom, but 
if you need to talk, talk about it. You don't necessarily need to pay somebody for this. Most of us don't need professional help. A listening ear is a gift. Mm -hmm. It really is. It can be very helpful. You also talked about taking a day at a time. Mm-hmm. And That's that, difficult. Isn't it, though? Yeah. I mean, you need to... I would like to plan out my days. Yes, or... And how are you supposed to do that when you can only take them one at a time? This taking a day at a time is difficult, especially in American culture where we... Yes. We, you know, most of us would be looking... Ten-year planner. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter is very big planner. She, has a, she still uses a paper and pen daytimer along with her electronic schedule. This has been frustrating for Brooke because she wants to plan her Christmas break now. She's a professor at Clemson and uh, wants to plan that out. She wants to do her spring break. Where is she going to go? Brooke's an MK and she travels every drop of the hat. You know, she tries to get these paid conferences wherever she can, you know, where they're paying her to come. Now she can't go anywhere. She goes, but uh, it's not like before. Because she'd hook on these side trips. Well, I'm going to L.A. I'll just go around and run down to the you know Joshua Tree and do some hiking. And she can't do any of that now. It's not possible. And so in America, we tend to want to plan out. And most of us would already, if, if we're planners at all, we're thinking about next summer for mm-hmm. summer holiday plans. And what are we going to do for Easter? Those kind of things. Where are we going to be for Thanksgiving? And in this day and age, day at a time is, is, how, is where we're going to, what can, well, I can control what I'm going to do tomorrow, so uh, tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to have my quiet time, I'm, I'm going to move around tomorrow, I'm going to walk, or I'm going to do something for 30 minutes, I'm going to make these phone calls to these individuals, and check, 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 I'm kind of a list guy. I love doing those things that I know historically for me have worked, in this pandemic or not, and when I start to vary off of that, I mentioned it this morning, I can become, I've gotten a little sad on some days. Uh, more sad for those around me, you know, and how they're struggling. There's no good news on the media. I take media fast. We went out to Colorado and did some climbing in uh, October. Lynn and I did some bike riding, and we didn't look at Facebook or our news feeds for seven days. We were so refreshed on that eighth day. I am we sure. Both, we, we held each other accountable. And so since then, I've been taking, you know, 24, 48-hour fast. For that, we tried it a couple of times, and that's amazingly refreshing. Yeah. That, that's a good word. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about wanting to plan out our days, but this season has almost caused us to be more scriptural. Mm-hmm. Amen. The Word tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Right. It has enough worries of its own. <laughs> we found that out, didn't we? Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's a good word. So. Yeah. As you've talked with others during this pandemic, what are some ways that you see God at work? Well, I've seen people um, who have some discipline and um, people who've walked with the Lord for a while and been discipled. They have been very intentional, at least in my, my church body, about trying to pour that into other lives on a, on a much more limited basis. I've seen some good discipling going on in my home church body where uh, some older mature believers have just taken on one or two lives and been very intentional, brought them into their bubble, and been loving on them seriously. And so I've seen that kind of activity in my in this kind of unique church where I attend, where there's lots of addicts and uh, offenders. And so I've just seen some wonderful things going on there with that. And I think for those that walk closely with the Lord, there's all kinds of opportunities. If you're if you're looking, and the Lord is opening doors to these kind of relationships that wouldn't be there before, you know, asking 
a person at the checkout or the drive-through, how are you doing? A quick word, thank you so much for your service, and those kind of things. You never know whether it's going to happen with that. You know, those kind of thank you things go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Well. I would imagine the importance of self-care is stressed as missionaries go to serve in hard places around the world. What would you share about self-care, the importance of it for missional leaders that are stateside? I think missional leaders in general are very giving kinds of people. And so sometimes uh, they might give to the point where they have little left for themselves or those people that love them most. And so I'd be very aware of how much I was giving out in this time frame. And so it's kind of paradoxical that in terms of self-care, I'm saying to be a little selfish, to be a little bit better at self-monitoring. Mm-hmm. So then the more proactive you are in taking care of yourself, the better you are at offering care to others. And so I would just strongly urge them to take care of themselves first because it's already an exhausting draining and uh, I think for missional leaders, uh, this time is probably requiring them to be more creative in how they get things done and how they yeah. touch lives. And, and I've talked with so many people who had to cancel mission trips, think mission projects, be very quick to bring others in on rethinking, reimagining, redreaming, repraying about projects. And don't try to do it all yourself. I mean, just bring your best minds in, bring in somebody new, fresh. Hey, could you come meet with us just one time? We, we're trying to rethink how we do this feeding ministry, or we're trying to rethink our, you know, we've had our mission trip canceled. We've got X amount of dollars, and we want to make it go somewhere. So what do you think? And bring in other folks to, I've been surprised how oftentimes people who don't know anything about missions have some wonderful thoughts when I say missions, I mean they just not been involved in it. Why don't you do this? Because nobody's invited them. So <laughs> let's invite them. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good word, Mark. Well, we are so proud of you and Linda and oh. for your decades of service with the International Mission Board, for the lives that we know that you have touched. And uh, we're grateful for the ways that God continues to use you for His work and His kingdom. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for being with us today and sharing some some of your time and some of your thoughts on how to get through this season. Well, thank you, Sandy, so much. This is very touching to hear you say that. So uh, it's been my privilege to be here. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Well, we're glad to have you. And for those of you listening, thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.